0: hi everyone welcome to the tbi therapist podcast i'm your host dr jen blanchett where we explore the heart of brain injury hello brain squad dr jen blanchett here for a different kind of episode So I've been getting some feedback from my listeners, and I had a question about anger. Specifically, why am I so angry after my brain injury? So I thought I would offer some insights from the work I've done with people, what kind of things people have mentioned to me over the years, and a little window into my struggles with managing my own anger because we're human after all, and we we all have anger. So I thought I'd add a little bit of perspective from me. So let's jump into it. So I'll start off with a quote. To be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not easy. So Aristotle said that And I think those words from 384 BC still ring true today because they are part of our human experiences. Anger is a powerful emotion. Its energy is intense. Our blood boils. We see red. We want to yell, punch, curse, spit, cry, or run away. The physiological sensations of anger can be so uncomfortable that we just want to do anything to get distance from it. And these are words from one of my favorite authors on anger, Andrea Brandt. I actually attended her workshop probably about 10 years ago. And her book is mindful anger, a pathway to emotional freedom. I love that book, by the way, it's one of my favorite books on anger that I recommend to people and that I've worked with people on who've come to see me when they've struggled with anger. So I'm going to offer some insights from Bernay Brown's newest book as well, which is Atlas of the Heart. Some of you might have gotten her newest book. And I'll mention some other psychological research about anger, and then my insights about brain injury. So Atlas of the Heart by Bernay Brown, is her book that maps meaningful connection and the language of human experience. So I'm just going to read a little bit from the book regarding anger. If you look across the research, you'll learn that anger is an emotion that we feel when something gets in the way of a desired outcome or when we believe there's a violation of the way things should be. When we feel anger, we believe that something or something else is to blame for an unfair or unjust situation, and that something can be done to resolve the problem. I don't know where I heard this, but it often, it stuck with me, and I will mention it to folks that I work with, with or without a brain injury, that a lot of the motivation behind anger is to seek justice. So it makes sense to me that folks after a brain injury are often angry because they've had this event happen in their lives that for a majority of people, even if you quote unquote had some fault in your brain injury, it's unfair. And you had no idea that this would happen to you. And I think trying to find justice or some kind of reasoning for why or how this is happening to you makes total sense to me. So, Bernie Brown talks a little bit about how anger is often discussed as a secondary emotion. However, she writes that most emotion researchers will say that it's a primary emotion. And I think when they looked at different emotions, the average of the emotions that people mentioned were, were three. Feeling glad, feeling sad, or feeling mad. So, if we can basically mostly only identify three emotions, then if anger is one of the emotions that we can describe, then we could say it could be viewed as a primary emotion. So, that when I'm feeling mad, that's the only thing that's happening. I'm really just feeling mad. Usually, however, I think a lot of counselors will talk about anger as a secondary emotion so that other emotions that may be underneath of anger could be popping up. So what are some examples of anger as a secondary emotion? So if anger is kind of like floating on top and the primary emotions or the kind of true emotional state that we're trying to get at Is something else, what might be underneath or hiding under the anger? So I kind of see anger as like it's a warning light, warning, danger, something's happening. And the other emotions could be loneliness, rejection, fear, frustration, hurt, guilt or shame, jealousy, outrage at injustice, helplessness, humiliation, embarrassment. And we could go on and on. She, uh, Bernay Brown says is even if you look at the list of 87 emotions and experiences in her book, the Atlas of the heart, more than 20 of them are likely to present and as anger or with anger. And I can say that's 100% true. So, and many of the people that I work with, their primary, what we call quote unquote presentation or how they display their emotion is in anger. So if they're depressed, they look angry. If they're anxious, they look angry. So it just happens to be the way they display that emotion. Not that they're not feeling other types of emotion. It's just they can't access it, or it maybe feels too scary to be vulnerable and show that hurt or ho- show the embarrassment that's coming up. I'm going to quote Bernay Brown's other book, which she mentioned here in Braving the Wilderness. Anger is a catalyst. Holding onto it will make us exhausted and sick. Internalizing anger will take away our joy and spirit. Externalizing anger will make us less effective in our attempts to create change and forge connection. It's an emotion that we need to transform into something life giving courage, love, change, compassion, and justice. Sometimes anger can mask a far more difficult emotion like grief regret shame and we need to use it to dig into what we're really feeling either way anger is a powerful catalyst but a life a life-sucking companion and i I've, I've struggled sometimes to sit in anger with people when that's their primary presentation because it's hard it's hard and it's but i understand it, it it's like Two things are happening sometimes in the room with people when they are very angry. My body's all moving because I'm getting excited. Uh, So two things are happening. I, I want to show them that I deeply acknowledge that they're justified in feeling their anger, that it makes a lot of sense that they're angry. For my people with brain injury, I totally get if your life has changed completely. I'd be mad as hell too if I'd work my whole life and then everything's different. So I think my struggle sometimes when I work with people about anger is trying to help them move through it in a way where they can feel validated, feel supported, and also get at what else is there. What else is underneath the anger? getting to the feelings of shame, of hurt, of loss. I find when those feelings are explored and dealt with or attended to, I like that better, attended to, that I find the anger often loses some of its sting. Although not pleasant or easy. So Bernay talks about three things that she knows from the work that she's done over the past 20 years as an emotion researcher. Anger often masks emotions that are more difficult to name and difficult to own. Two, just as an indicator light in our car, that in our car tells us to pull over and check things out. Anger is a very effective emotional indicator light that tells us to pull over and check things out. Three, anger in response to experiencing or witnessing injustice, pain, and struggle can be a powerful catalyst for change, but by definition, a catalyst sparks change. It's not the change. And I really like that last piece, that anger can be a catalyst for change, but it can't be the thing that changes. It has to, something else has to make that pivot. I just got off a call, I mean, really just minutes ago, with a survivor who will be on the podcast, Andrew Davey. And he was talking about the pivot that helped him be able to accept ambiguity, be able to accept that he may not know what his life is going to look like now after a life-altering aneurysm. But the pivot was more in figuring out that other people shared And his experiences that he wasn't alone. So that feeling of alone, when he feeling of being alone when he talked with other survivors in a support group, that that feeling with him was comforted. You're not alone. This is a universal experience. Yes, it sucks and it's horrible, but we understand it. We understand what you're going through. Oftentimes, when folks that I see struggle with anger come in, they have problems in their relationships, and it's probably one of the biggest reasons why they come in after a brain injury. So their anger has caused some kind of rift with a partner, with a family member, or at work. And they're coming to me to say, like, how do I kind of deal with what's going on?" And I recently, over the past over the pandemic, I was trained in the Gottman method. So the Gottman Method was formed by John and Julie Gottman, who are a married couple. John is the researcher guy, and Julie is a clinician. And I loved all their training, so many great resources on that website as well, if you are in a relationship and might need some resources for managing conflict. So one of the things he talks about is psychological flooding and what happens when we're flooded with emotion, it could be any emotion, but typically we're talking about anger in this, in this situation. So when we're flooded psychologically and physiologically, we have a, a heart rate that is likely over hundred beats per minute. So it's one of the recommendations I often tell people, Hey, where, where are you at uh, if you're wearing wearable technology? So if you're you know, if you have one of those smart watches, I use a Garmin, which I don't even know where it is right now. Anyways, I'm not wearing it. I'm not doing what I talk about. Just at home by myself. So I don't need it. However, if you're wearing some kind of wearable technology like a Garmin, then you can look at your beats per minute and see if it's over 100 if you're in a conversation with someone. When you get beyond 100 beats per minute, you're psychologically, physiologically fl- flooded. What he found in his research are if people continued to engage in a conversation or a conflict, there were pretty much negative outcomes. And I think I read somewhere else that if you're already in the eye of the storm, it's already too late. So it's really thinking about how do I help calm myself down step out of the situation before I get to that point where my anger is already at a boiling point. Contempt. So one of those situations, um, let me back up. So John Gottman discusses in his research various types of communication styles that happen in conflict or in marriages that end up in divorce. So He came up with, and I can link this in the show notes as well. I love the Gottman stuff. It's just great. Uh, He talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And in his book, Why Marriages Succeed or Fail, he writes, What separates contempt from criticism is the intention to insult and psychologically abuse your partner. With your words and body language, you're lobbying insults right to the heart of your partner's sense of self. Fueling these contemptuous actions are negative thoughts about the partner. He or she is stupid, disgusting, disgusting, incompetent, a fool. In subtle or direct fashion, the message gets across along with the criticism. So it's important to realize if we're doing any of these types of behaviors, which many of us have done before, that we need to be aware of that. So one of those is criticism. So that would be verbally attacking your partner, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. So I will link in the show notes some specific, uh, the specific graph that we can get from the Gottman Institute. And then he talks about antidotes for those. So how, instead of criticism, what do I do? And one of, I'll just do one example, would be instead of saying like, why do you always make us late? saying something like, I feel frustrated about being late. I need to be on time. So he talks a lot about I statements, having a soft, gentle startup for a conversation, taking responsibility instead of defensiveness. And there's more examples there. So I won't go into all of those. So if I'm summarizing, my top recommendations For managing anger after a brain injury would be, one, to understand your emotions, understand that certainly it's okay to be feeling angry after a brain injury, but we can't stay there. So if we can't stay there, then how do we pivot? How do we pivot when that anger comes up? And how do I transition into something that can help me move through the emotion? My second recommendation would be to work through your nervous system. So if you haven't gone through my email course, I talk a little bit, which is free, by the way, uh, I talk about how we get stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. So certainly I'll put a link to my email course about that. So if we're getting stuck into in fight, which is anger, then how do we get unstuck? How do we get unstuck from that emotion? So we need to complete the stress cycle. And there's lots of different ways that we can do that. So I would recommend taking my free email course to learn a little bit more about the nervous system. Lastly, I think we can also recognize that anger isn't a bad emotion, but we need to be mindful of of what's happening. So mindful of our physiological state and also our psychological states. So I definitely would recommend wearable technology, seeing where your heart rate is. uh, Checking out that Mindful Anger book by Andrea Brandt is a really great resource. So those are my top recommendations for anger. And I think for myself, just knowing that I've struggled with anger for much of my life and It happened more so when I became a mother and also after having children going through the postpartum period and struggling with hormonal changes than medical menopause. So I know that my brain injury survivors also struggle with a huge hormonal component to their brain injury. I always recommend having someone go to a neuroendocrinologist if they're believing there's any hormonal component to their symptoms because sometimes looking at hormones and tweaking those can be helpful. That's something that's been helpful for me as well as looking at antidepressants if that's a good fit for you. So certainly I can put some links to uh, information about that in our show notes. And if you have a question for me, please let me know. I'll answer it on the podcast and I'd love to hear more from my listeners. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today on the TBI Therapist Podcast. Please visit tbitherapist.com for more information on brain injury, concussion, and mental health. The information shared on today's podcast is intended to provide information, awareness, and discussion on the topic. It is not clinical or medical advice. If you need mental health or medical advice, please seek a professional.